Apollo and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. Whether you're a leader, someone in the trenches, building a direct culture in your own organization, entrepreneur, a career changer, what we want to talk about is how do we get work working well. My name is Rhonda Brighton Hall. I'm the co-founder and CEO of MOI, Making Work Absolutely Human. And today I am very, very happy to be welcoming into the studio two great friends of our team from the culture equation, Hiam Sakakini. Hello. Hello. And Rob Lean. Great to be with you. Thank you. It's great to have you guys here. And today we're going to talk about a topic that we've all been thinking about and working on a lot, which is this transfer back to the office, if that's a thing, (laughs) what's left, in 2021. And is this the real opportunity to create great culture or different culture than we've had in the past? Mm. And I'm thrilled that you guys are here because it's a topic you do so well, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. So let's start with some introductions to the culture equation. Talk to me about the business. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're um, only two years up and running. And as it sounds, we specialize in helping organizations to think through their culture from design through to implementation. Um, A lot of organizations come to us and say they want high-performing cultures. And we think that's great. But we we define high-performing cultures as... um, as teams that trust one another, that innovate their way through challenges, and that deliver great customer experience. And, and that's what we generally help our organizations and our clients get to. And on the side, as well as founding the business, mm. you're also a board member of the Cerebral Palsy Alliance. Yes. And had nine years prior at Google. That's right. Yes. So we won't talk about the Google stuff because <laughs> I'm sure you've been asked too many times. And Rob, you've got a business coach. That's your background. So my background is uh, in consulting and I've been moving into coaching more recently. So I entered into the world through um, working at a digital transformation organization where it was really about how can we help other organizations solve their problems using software. I think my career has really revolved around looking at where is the most important problem. And so that started with teams and what, what can we build and great products. Then you have to move and actually how to improve our systems and processes and how do we structure business. And I think once you hit a certain limit there, you realize it's all about people and how can we get people to work better together in order to enable really great customer experiences. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you. So our current context is COVID-2019, but actually was 2020 (laughs) for the experience. Um, and a whole bunch of lawyers and important people now talking about what does workplace look like now, what's the hybrid model, um, trying to navigate what they want it to be, how to bring people back in. Um, but they're also navigating higher rates of burnout. I, I saw this really interesting statistic just last week where the rise in physiotherapy, mm. just massive increase in physiotherapy businesses where people have literally been stuck in a chair, usually their dining chair or something like that, dining table um, and all these neck and back injuries that they have never treated before just exponential growth so there's all that sort of thing as well higher rates of burnout we know the productivity has gone up um, future of work center has put out a billion dollars in unpaid overtime during the last 12 months that's the figure from last week as well so there's a mixed response to returning to work and what that might look like and what are we dealing with so that's what we wanted to do today though because of the expertise in the room is to talk about what's the opportunity right now to reinvigorate culture. So let's start with what is a great culture? What's your thoughts on a great culture? I think that's a really good question and especially if we look at who are the organisations that have really succeeded in the last year because yep. if we look at 
when we actually transitioned to a distributed working model, there are some organisations that did this really well and there are other organisations that struggled. And yep. I think that if we actually look at the organisations that did well and look at the commonalities between them, then you're going to start to see some of the fundamentals of what great culture is. Because not only does great culture improve the employee experience, productivity, impact, but it also makes you more resilient from an organisational perspective to any challenges that come your way. So what? So what's the common theme? So what's the common theme? I think what we're really seeing is, do you have trust among your leadership team? So when it comes to a change, do you have a, a leadership team that's going to share information, that's going to come together and work collectively to solve a problem rather than protecting individual patches? Yeah. Then it comes to, do you have the ability to delegate autonomy and authority to team members, can you actually set a particular outcome and say, even though we're moving to a remote environment or a distributed environment, here's the outcome that we're looking for and we trust you as a self-organising team, as autonomous and capable people to actually define how that's going to look uh, in terms of achieving that outcome. Yep. So I think they're two big tenets that I've seen. So a leadership team that will actually trust and work, trust each other and work together and then having teams that are empowered to make decisions themselves. Yeah. yeah, I think just to build on that, what we've also noticed is with these organizations that are doing really well, they're very clear on their purpose. They're very clear on what they're here to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually perf- purpose beyond profit. So that's something that people can feel very um, motivated by, intrinsically motivated by. And even though there may be days where they're super frustrated, confused, and sometimes very isolated, when they have that clarity of vision, they know which direction they're going in and they feel very bought into that. It propels them forward. So that's one of the thing. And then in how they do that, they're also very clear on their values and how those values just translate to the day-to-day behaviors, rituals, ways we do things, the unspoken norms. Um, so that's the two things that I've also noticed um, are, are going well for organizations that have transitioned in and out of you know both distributed work then kind of coming back into the office but at 50 percent capacity then back to distributed work then back into the <laughs> they just you know but then still managing to do that really well and um, the, the ones that we've seen struggle i guess they have stuck to the more rigid um hierarchical structures uh characterized by um command and control uh very policy driven quite bureaucratic takes a long time to make a decision and yeah, if you ask them, you know, why are you here? Um, it's very hard to articulate that. You know, they give you the kind of, this is my role and this is what my team is here to do, but why is the organization here? And, and that would be quite hard for them to articulate. It's the sort of the, the common elements of really good culture that we always look for are these things that line up perfectly to that. So it's, we look for purpose, which is that, as you talk about intrinsic motivation, why are we here? Does it matter? There's a degree of relationships. Does it work and trust each other? Um, there's a degree of agency. Are you free to do it your way? So I think that, you know, it's one of those things like everything changes and some things don't change. Mm. But it does call you out if you haven't got those things right, which is what you're saying about that struggling piece. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's it's um, it's been interesting to see the people who are so used to policies being the rules mm. um, trying to work out now can they write one to make people do things now a way that people don't want to do them. And you go, well, that'll be interesting. They're not actually slaves, so Mm. (laughs) they're free. (laughs) That's been a a very interesting conversation. Um, If you're looking at an organisation as they start to do this and they start to go, how should we move forward? What should we be looking at? What's the couple of things, two or three strategies or tools that you would say are really important for a rebuilding culture that you're seeing working well? 
I think the starting point is exactly that. It's purpose and values. Because I think if you have a really strong purpose, you know, why do you exist as an organisation? Why do you exist as a division? What, what, who do you serve and why are you here? Then, then you know where you're going and you have a framework which you can build from there. Well, how do we get there? I think a really great example of this, one that I really appreciate, is a Danish company called Vodacom. And they're a hearing aid manufacturer. And they went from having a mission statement that said, you know, we are going to be the leaders in hearing technology, to actually we're about helping people live as they wish with the hearing that they have. And when you can have that really strong purpose statement that says we're here to serve other people, that then lets you guide decisions. So I know from them, for an operational perspective, it was immensely valuable because they were a company that had become very admin heavy and they were able to use their purpose statement to look at the people within their organisation and actually ask, you know, are you or is your role helping other people hear in the way that they want to and live in the way that they want to? And if the answer is no, well, then we need to shift your role and function because it's not serving someone. And I think if we take this, you know, it's a really good example to then consider the challenges of 2021 and moving back to an office. Because if you are like Otacon and you can ask them, okay, we have an opportunity now to come back to the office, but why would we do that? You know, what facilities do we actually need? What facilities are going to help people live as they wish to with the hearing that they have? And the answer to that might be, well, we wouldn't want to move back into in-person because we have engineering labs that we can use here or because we can have, uh, we have customer interview rooms that we can use. We might actually look at that and say, well, actually, it's the opposite. We, we have too many rooms here. We actually need to be doing a lot more research out in the field with our customers, where they live, understanding their experience in the real world. And we're actually, we're flush for space in here that we're not, we shouldn't be using. And I think this becomes quite easy to understand you know, what, what are we trying to achieve with moving back to a physical space if you have that clear purpose? Yeah. Anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I definitely think you just look at the, um, the work space or place as just one tool in amongst many to achieve what it, what it is you want to achieve as an organisation and just how to optimally use that. Any tool can be used um, you know, at, uh, to, to a degree too to, uh, little, too much or just sort of right the kind of Goldilocks effect so you have to figure out what are the tools that we need in order to work at our best and help the people in our organization to, to do the best work of their careers that they'll look back on and go this is the best time ever when I was at this organization and you, they didn't realize that you were just in the background kind of dialing things up and down to meet their needs. Do, do you think um workplaces are more important to some people than others and if if so what is it about them that is so important to some that's a really good question yeah I think that for some people it might be down to preferences just down to the fact that you know I just prefer to be in an environment where I see and I can almost you know have those incidental moments that really build relationships you're quite a relationship driven uh, person and I think that that's something we all have to um, agree on is that it was it was quite difficult when we moved to remote working in having those incidental ice cream moments and <laughs> moments of celebration you know build you know bringing a cake in for somebody's birthday moments of 
just problem solving around the water cooler. We, we Those dissolved away and with that dissolved away moments of connection. And so, yes, I, I would imagine that people that have that preference of wanting to be around that vibe would say, let's go back in or let's all go back in full time. And because they have the right intent, there's no malintent there. It's just that that's their preference. Then there's those that just say, I do my best work when I have that space, that time, um, you know, in my in my own environment and and I just do my best work in that in that space and that space happens to be from home and that's where I'd like to do the majority of my work and yes I'd still like to meet with my team and that doesn't necessarily need to be in an office it could be out in an offside in nature or whatever it might be mm. so mm. I think it's all about preferences and really getting out on the table what is in amongst all of that that we can agree on what are the bits and pieces within that the tell me why the tell me more questions that need to be mm. asked so that people and don't feel railroaded into one or the other or a specific yeah you know able to have their situation. own opinion the um the debate i thought was really interesting people started talking about well some people don't like having a workplace because <clears throat> pardon me the environment they're in at home might be unsafe or it might be crowded or it might be um the alone is just lonely but i think that's a they're important issues, but there's another one where people, the place is perfectly safe. They actually prefer a different way of working. Yeah, it's and it's so funny. We, you know, we're a, we're a teeny tiny team and, and early on in my building of the business, I never actually wanted a workplace itself. I, don't, I didn't want an office. I'm very happy for people to work from wherever they feel most comfortable in doing their work. And knowing that we'd be very client-centric anyway and be sitting with our clients a lot of the time. And however, throughout all of this and being and kind of being forced into that, saying you can't see each other, it made me want to see, you know, the team more and say, well, could we maybe set up some regular time <laughs> that we see each other? So it's funny what you say, what you think you want changes. So it's not static either, right? You yeah. just, it changes over time and, and people are complex and messy and there's no one, you know, one rule fits all. I think that's really nice. Um, we're the opposite. So we create a space and then lots of people come here yeah. and we really like it. So <laughs> that was sort of our space. We wanted more space than we needed. So there was space for others, which is, yeah, the, the flip side of that. Um, let's go broader when we talk about culture, which is obviously an expertise that you, have, you both have very deeply. How can you make culture change stick? That's a question people ask a lot. Um, we've been having... A debate this week with a couple of people who uh, I th think through fear of all the things that are in the paper and, and on the news all the time at the moment, um, they're sort of going, we just need to give everyone unconscious bias training. And you're sort of going, it actually is like so ineffective as a as to do anything positive um, and it's a waste of time. So but they just that's where they start and you sort of say, well, that's not the way to do it. So what is the way to do it? How do, how do you get in there and make culture change stick? I think there are two things to think about, or two ways that I like to think about it, which is what can you do to reinforce the positive in terms of where you're going? Yep. And then how do you actually become conscious of what's holding you back? So in terms of reinforcing where you're going and supporting you, I think a really big part of it is just communication and over-communicating where are we going? Why are we making this change? Why does this need to happen? And what does the end state look like? And then ensuring that once you have set that destination, you are very 
working incredibly hard to listen to people's ideas about how can we best get there. Because the experience in an organisation is fundamentally different when you are at the call face to a middle manager to an executive leader. And if you aren't listening to everybody's different experiences, you're going to fail in terms of achieving that change because you won't have the information that you need to make the decisions that you need. So I think that's one aspect. So set the goal, communicate it, over-communicate, and then listen. I think also acknowledge. There are going to be times when you when you want to make a change, you're fundamentally being different to where you currently are. And that means there are going to be spaces where you're not living up to where you want to be. And I think some organisations fear that if they acknowledge that there are spaces in which they are not meeting their goal, that that might detract from the yeah. overall purpose. But I think the reality is actually you're strong for it if you say, yes, we know we want to change, but there are elements that, that are, we're not doing that. And yeah. we acknowledge that. And it is good that we can actually flag this because it means we can address it. So the more times we flag that we're not living up to our destination, the stronger we'll be. And I think then a final part is thinking about what's detracting. So I really like to think about incentives within an organisation. You know, we are all, all of us have our behaviours guided by incentives. And one of the strongest incentives in an organisation is remuneration. And so two questions that I really like to ask people to get a strong understanding of what are the company's actual values are what does someone need to do in order to get promoted in this organisation and what are the worst behaviours that someone can display and still get promoted because I think if you can answer those questions then you have a bit of an understanding of you know, what are your values at the moment as an organisation mm -hmm. and then what is holding you back from the change that you were really trying to implement. It's a great summary. Welcome. Clearly you've done it before. <laughs> Anything to add, Neil? No, I think you've, you've captured it well. It's um, really difficult to get under the hood of what a culture is. You, you always get the same sort of responses, um, you know, verbally, then you can observe, then you can go in and ask those types of questions which really bring out sort of the shadow values. Um, and then it's really interesting when you then circle back with leaders and Put that all on the table um, you know having their response to that is is great because you find a lot of people feel very uh, relieved when we finally put something that's very true and mm. this is a clear picture of where we are at this is a clear picture of where you would like to be and these are the kinds of steps in between and when you have that clarity of current culture desired culture and these are the steps in between people feel relief because mm. otherwise it does feel like a very fluffy how do we get there? And then you will default to unconscious bias or this easy answer <laughs> over here. Um, when really there, it's 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 um, it's a process. It takes time, and, and changing behavior is not something that happens overnight or with one training. So. Yeah, I think it's great, and I love the description. It's a relief. There is, it is that moment when you say this is what we're looking at, yeah. and people go, that's exactly what it is. And they all know, and they've known for ages, but no one said it out loud. Um, final reflections. Where is organisational culture going now? What are the trends? What's your thoughts? What's your opinions? Oh, look, I think um, we are definitely heading into a new concept of what the work space or place will look like. I think we need to keep an eye on, again, what are the front runners doing and what are they doing well that we can learn from. Um, I think uh, we know now that change is really a constant and how do you, 
how do you build for that in your organization? So how do you build flex? How do you build cross-functional teams, matrixed environments, places where people can cross-skill? Because you're just going to constantly have to learn and evolve in order to keep up with the, the volume of change that is inevitably coming um, our way. Um, so there's there's lots of things that we can learn from the last year. It's put us through a bit of a school in terms of what we need to think about for the future of work, whether it's the built environment, whether it's skills. And I think the biggest thing I've learned is that leaders, leaders are realizing now we cannot exist side by side as a leadership team. We really need to build trust in amongst each other, collaboration, sharing of resources, being uh radically transparent with each other, um, openly vulnerable. Uh, and these are definite massive changes I've noticed amongst um, leaders within organizations um, that again are embracing this change and realizing that as a team, we need to we need to build those capabilities together as a unit. So those are the sorts of trends I'm noticing. Any others I've forgotten? No, I think that is a really good list. And I, I think the part in that that stands out for me is that focus on continual evolution and growing skill sets because change is inevitable and the more that we can support people in our organisations to be continually growing, the yeah. more we're going to be able to adapt to anything that's thrown at us. And it's also the key to retention. It's the key to you know cr creating an environment where great talent just wants to be. Mm. So it not only future-proofs your organisation, it keeps your talent excited, learning, growing, and uh, attracting more great talent in the, in the process. So, can't hurt. So, so if I said to, to each of you, what's the one thing that you'd be saying to leaders at the moment, what would it be? I think step back. Take time. Right. I really think um, this is such a good time to rethink your culture rethink um, how you're going to be as an organization, redesign it if needed, celebrate what's working really well, but just take time to pause. I know we've been through a huge amount and everybody's just wanting to switch on the let's get going button. Let's just get back <laughs> you in there. That all the time. And um, if I was to say anything is that this is a really good time to just do a massive look back. What worked for us? What didn't? What are we going to bring forward? What are we going to let go of? Um, and if you haven't really nailed down what it is we're here to do, sort of the, the Otacon example, now's the time. Now's the time. Great. Yeah. I think, thinking about you know, high-performing teams, which is what so many organisations are looking for, it's really defined by people who can make mistakes, who are ambitious, who will make mistakes, and who then have the safety within their team to be able to critically self-reflect and understand how did that happen? How can we grow from this experience and how can we use this information to move forwards? And I think it is very, very hard to trust other people in your organisation if you don't actually know who they are. And <laughs> one thing that we have even definitely benefited from, our working relationship is much better now that we spend one day in person with each other mm. because it helps us continue to understand who each other is. And so I think if you're coming back into an offering environment, if you're coming back into a space where you can spend time with other people, really invest 
in that social connection. Really invest in people getting to better understand each other and better connect with one another because it forms that trust that will then let you have permission to have those challenging conversations with a team that will make you far stronger. I think they're great answers. Oh, good. <laughs> um, that's probably a great place to leave it. I think there's sort of so many things that you just went through, even in that short time, that are just really, really powerful. Um, so thank you so much, Rob and him, for joining us today. Um, as uh, we share a great passion with you for making workplaces great, work whatever workplace might be. I love the fact that you could hear him that you called it workplace is just one tool, not mm. all of them. Um, but we share that passion for great culture. We share that passion for the role that leaders can play in getting to that. Um, if you're interested in, in talking about this area, your your expertise and your work with teams and the fact that you go in very deeply and really build that out with the team, the trust collaboration is just a you know a thing of beauty. So it's been a pleasure to hear that story. And on the flip side of it, the way that we think about the diagnostics of culture is very, very different. So um, either of those topics I think have got a place in the future and we're looking forward to that. Big more from us and the team here for coming in, as always. Um, if you'd like to stay in touch with our community or to get in touch with Rob Wahim through us, let us know. Um, it's always at tmapmoire.live uh, or via our newsletter that comes out every second Friday. So you're welcome to have that too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Rob. Thank you.